Thanks, Dave. Um, so I'm reading from Isaiah 9 this morning, verses 1 to 7 in the New Living Translation. <clears throat> Hope in the Messiah. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a, in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the burden, sorry, and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Amen. So good. Who's familiar with Isaiah 9? Come on, who's familiar with Isaiah 9? Surely there's more of us here. Yeah, it's one of like the classic uh, Christmas time uh, prophecies. Uh, and just like I said, um, in lighting the, the hope candle, uh, we are looking forward just like those who were uh, in darkness were looking forward to one who would come and free them. Uh, and so uh, this morning, like we've already talked about, we're beginning our new Christmas series, Prepare Him Room, which is all about waiting in expectation, making room, creating space so that we can draw near to Jesus and experience him this Christmas season. Because I don't know about you, but Christmas can quite easily be overtaken for me by many, many other things. And I think that in the nature of 2020 and the year that it has been, it could be really easy for us to let that happen again, for it to just be overrun with, like, yeah, good things, but at the same time, they're just things. Uh, at the same time, Christmas for you could be overrun with a lot of negative emotions or pain and hurt. And, and, and so as a family, we want to come together to love one another, to support one another, and to lean into the truth that is about, the truth that is Christmas, and his name's Jesus. And so this is the journey that we are on. And so to help you guys uh, kind of like make room, prepare him space, that kind of thing, uh, we wanted to, to gift you something. And this is something that I've done for like quite a few years now, which is like Dave's Christmas gifts um, for the first Sunday of our Christmas series. And this year is going to be nonetheless. Who's excited? Yeah, all right, sweet. That's good. So we've done it a little bit differently, though, this year um, in that... Uh, actually, I'm not going to give the details yet. The gifts that we've got this year, the idea, the heart behind them is they are, they are things that I wanted to give 
whoever got them as a way of just being able to draw near to Jesus, just kind of like to take some time out to be with Jesus, to settle in, to enjoy Jesus, uh, to prepare him room. And so that's the heart behind these gifts. Now the logistics of how you get them. Now if you look under your seat, there are four different numbers, one to four. So have a look, and if, if there's a seat next to you that's empty, only if it's empty, then you can look under those seats as well, because I see that on this side in particular, there's a bunch of spare seats. So everybody looking. So once you find a number, it's taped under there, so you might not feel it all too easily. So you might actually have to have a look. I don't know. Uh, any numbers found yet? Yep, one number here. Okay, cool, sweet. We've got another number here. All right, so if you find a number, just come on up to the front. All right, do you, do you know what number it is? Can't read it. We can, shall we pull it out? Where is it? Oh, no, that's not a number. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Come on, guys, there's three more numbers. Oh, yep, here's a number. Yeah, come on up. All right. Any more numbers? Who's got numbers here? Yep, stars, good. All right, and then, got okay, four numbers. Okay, so can we get you to line up in, in order from one to four, okay? Are you good, stars? Do you have a, yeah? Okay, cool, sweet. Awesome, okay, sweet. So the reason that we did the numbers was just because the nature of these gifts us one, okay, one, Oh, it's a different number. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Stas. Oh, man, this is like, I feel like mean now. We might have to just do gifts. You get a car. You get a car. <laughs> Craziness like that. Anyway, so what we've got here. Okay, one to four. Okay, who's uh, one to four this way? Yep. Four to one. Okay, sweet. Cool. Okay, so what we've got here, depending on like where you're at and, and like in stage of life and all of that, we've got a, a coffee mug that looks quite beautiful, Emmanuel, God with us. The idea with this is to be able to sit down with your favorite hot beverage in the morning or in the evening and to just be with Jesus, just to spend some time with him. So that's a really simple and easy way of preparing him room this season. We've got Phil Wickham Christmas CD. Now, I know CDs are a bit of a thing of the past in terms of who has a CD player. If somebody gave me this, no use to me, but hopefully one of you guys have one in your ute or something like that, I don't know. Then we've got Our Family Christmas Devotional. This is a really beautiful little book, and this is something you can walk through with your family if you've got kids. And then this one is if you want to get something for your kid, and it's The, sh the Shepherd on the Search, and it's 25-day devotional for a kid sort of thing. So this is just different ways of being able to connect with each other, potentially in terms of the family gifts and the music CD sort of thing. The mug's kind of like a, a solo one-off, that kind of thing. So we're going to go from this end, and I'm sorry, bro, you got four. So you kind of, either this is going to be a Christmas gift that you give, or you can use it. I don't know where this is going to go. So what do you want, bruv? CD, mug, or family devotional Christmas uh, kids? Just whatever's going to get me sitting down faster. Um, your choice, then. Kids one? Awesome. Cheers, brother. All right. Yeah, go. Go for gold, man. Family Christmas devotional? Yep, cool. Sweet. You want the mug? Sweet. Do you have a city player? I do. Oh, yeah, that actually worked. Awesome, guys. Grab a seat. Thanks heaps for that, eh? Cool. Round of applause for these guys. Awesome. All right. Well, I, I genuinely hope that they enable you to like settle in and just be with Jesus just a little bit more this season, whatever that might look like. Um, 
So if we're honest with ourselves, this year has been pretty crazy, right? Yeah? Are you with me, family? Has this year been pretty crazy? Yeah, it's been pretty, pretty wild. Um, And I would say for some of us, even pretty bleak. It's been a bit of a bleak year, I would say. Um, And so I wanted for us to be able to kind of like connect to how this year has been. And so we're going to do a quick grab a friend, and we're just going to go, what describing words would you use for 2020? What describing words would you use for 2020? Now, if you're not keen on engaging in this question, that's totally fine. Just sit there by yourself. Otherwise, just, just a couple of describing words, nice words, like honest words, not bad words, okay? I see you, young people. Gosh. All right. Settle down quite quickly, so you guys listened well. Um, so w- what are some like describing words that were used within your like, little conversations? But we won't get heaps of them, just a couple of them. Change, lots of change. Yeah, definitely. Stress, yes. Yep, yep, definitely. Roller coaster, yep, yep, 100%. Appreciation, what else? Scary. Challenging, yeah, awesome, awesome. So this year has kind of like stirred up in us, I think we would all agree, and I think it's a really good thing for us to do as we move into this Christmas season to just recognize the nature of this year. It's been wild. Um, And so what I would love for us to do over this Christmas season is, okay, so this is what this year has been like, but what does Jesus have for us in this Christmas season? Are we going to are we going to lean in? Are we going to prepare him room? Are we going to make him space and hear what he has to say to us, to our hearts? Uh, because I think that um, yeah, the world needs Jesus, but our hearts need Jesus just as much because of just the nature of this year. Is it, w- would you guys feel that? Yeah, yeah, awesome. Hey. Um, So we've been affected in some way, all in some way in 2020, whether it's been a year of frustration, one of dreams dashed, lots of people were planning overseas travel, that's not a thing, plans cancelled, jobs lost, heightened stress levels, overwhelming news, um, civil unrest, public panic, uh, failing economies, relationship tensions, uncertain futures, and the loss of loved ones. In some way, we have all been affected this year. And I think it's important to recognize that that is the case. Now, I want to do a quick disclaimer and say that if in me starting this way this morning, it stirred up like a lot of negativity in you, please know that that's like, firstly, not the heart. And secondly, we want to journey this with you. Like if you're struggling in any way financially, um, like emotionally, mentally, um, spiritually, in any way, please let us know because we genuinely want to like journey this with you, to walk this out with you, because you matter to Jesus a lot. Like, like he cares about you like crazy. And as a family, we want to hear his heart and respond to that and to love one another well. And so if this morning you are in a space where you're struggling, let us know, because we want to be able to come alongside you. And I don't know what that would look like. And I'm not saying that we've got the answers either. But what I am saying is that we want to journey this with you because you matter to us and you matter to Jesus. Is that cool, family? Yeah? Okay, cool. Now, um, when the prophet Isaiah wrote the words that we heard this morning from my babe and wife um, some uh, 2,700 years ago, the situation was 
also seemingly dire, and I would say not too dissimilar. Um, and so we've got a bunch of points in terms of like kind of what was going on at this time. The nation of Israel was split in two. The nation of Israel was meant to be one nation. It was God's chosen people. But at this point, they had fractured. <laughs> there was a split that had gone on, and there were two kingdoms functioning. The kingdom of Israel with 10 tribes in the north, uh, and the kingdom of Judah with two tribes in the south. And I would say in terms of it not being too dissimilar to this year, um, or kind of like what we are viewing and experiencing and seeing in the news and that kind of thing, is this idea of a polarized and divided society. Like, there's just a lot of angst, Right? Would you agree with that? That there's a lot of angst, that society is, well, in my short amount of life, is more polarized than I remember it being. And, and that was not too dissimilar to what Isaiah, the prophet, was experiencing in his day. Uh, the second thing is that the multiple kings were vying for control over the kingdoms. So you didn't just have two, two kingdoms, you had individuals within those kingdoms trying to set themselves up as king. And I'd say in terms of today, um, we've got a lot of political tribalism. This isn't a, this isn't a message about like um, politics or anything like that at all, but there is a lot of political tribalism in terms of I can't talk to you if you think differently to me about this and all of that kind of thing. Um, and um, self-serving leaders. We're meant to pray for our leaders, but at the same time I would acknowledge that in the world there's a lot of self-serving going on because we've got such a self-centric society. And I, our leaders are not exempt from that, and that's why we need to pray for them. Yeah, we just need to, Lord, we just, we just lift up the, the, the leaders of this world that they would be able to firstly see Jesus and experience him for themselves and at the same time put their agendas down that they might just uh, experience what God's kingdom would look like. So again, not wanting to get political, but I do believe the answer is Jesus for everything, just so you know. Um, and so that's what I'm going to be preaching this morning. Um, the other thing would be the Assyrian Empire was getting stronger by the day, and they're looking more and more like they were going to invade. Um, and we today, we have got a lot of global unrest and uh, geo, like, uh, geopolitical tension going, tension going on. Like a lot of people kind of like flexing their muscles, a lot of nations kind of like showing off what they've got, that kind of thing. And I think that in the nature of 2020, man, everybody's stressed out as it is, let alone seeing this going on around the world. And to be honest, things hadn't got even as bad as they would get in this uh, particular time for the prophet Isaiah. Eventually, Israel was invaded by the Assyrian Empire, um, and the Jewish people were sent into exile, and they were forced to serve others and to forego their identity as a nation. So things got really bleak. Are we kind of getting the picture now? Yeah? Okay, sweet. So potentially, I'm guessing, at least for Israel, worse than 2020 for us, like in New Zealand. Yeah? Cool? Family, are we, are, we, are we doing this together? Yeah, okay, awesome, good stuff. So in verse 2, Isaiah describes the situation as one of deep darkness. Uh, this, this particular word uh, in the Hebrew for darkness literally translates to death's shadow. That's pretty full on, right? So he talks about this deep darkness, and it literally translates as death's shadow. Yet it was in this shadow that Isaiah had caught a glimpse uh, beyond that shadow to something greater than the Assyrian Empire, something greater than the current events of the day. In fact, something so great that it was going to change this world and history forever. And the... the and 
Isaiah has caught a little glimpse of what that is like, and that is what we want to unpack a little bit this morning. And so just like there was uh, an expectation and uh, a sense of hope for Isaiah, we also have this as we head towards Christmas. In fact, that is what this whole season of Advent is actually about uh, and points us to. Uh, it's why we lit the candle of hope this morning. Because, I don't know about you, but I need it. Do you need hope this morning? Yeah? Hmm. It reminds us that the Christmas season begins in hope. Thank Jesus for that. Uh, because there is a great light that has shone. And I think it's super important to remind our hearts and our minds that that is the reality uh, in, in 2020. Hope is about something better. Hope is about something greater, something truer, something more beautiful and good. But what or who? Who can make sense of 2020? Who can make sense of this cultural moment, the dividedness and pain, the weariness and worry, the unrest and the anxiety that this world is experiencing at the moment? But better than just making sense of it, who can give us hope? Who can give us peace in amongst all of this craziness that is going on? Who can draw our souls in and say, it's going to be okay? And genuinely mean it because they are in control of all things on this earth. Whatever we face, whatever comes our way, who can say that to us this Christmas season? Do you guys want a spoiler alert? Yeah. What's the Sunday school answer? Jesus. Jesus. So good, so good. So, anyway, a quick story. Um, when I was growing up, I've got four other siblings, and then there's my mum and my dad. Um, and when we would grow up, uh, my siblings, and sometimes my mum and dad even, would play this game on me and my younger sister, um, where they would, dre or they would wrap our presents up, and they would make them look to be like something else, you know? Like, for example, you know, um, they had bought me a lawnmower and they wrapped it up to look like a bookshelf kind of thing. It was nothing that dramatic, but generally it was like a bigger box than it was really was. You know that, that kind of game? Like, it's a giant box or a tiny box or like it's a tiny box with like a key in it to what kind of thing. And it was a bit of like a treasure hunt and it was just making it a whole lot more fun. Um, and so quite often, though, there were times when they wrapped it to literally look like something else. And so you look at that, and you're like, I know what I'm getting. I know what I'm getting, and this is going to be good. Or kind of like, why would they buy me this? This is a very odd thing to buy, like a seven-year-old boy. I don't want a lawnmower kind of thing. Um, but then you would unwrap it, and lo and behold, it was a Lego set, or you know, like something like that. And it was just this way of kind of like playing with the sense of like expectation and going like, "Oh, what is this? What are we getting here?" And so, like me and my little sis, we were looking at what we could see, the surface. But so often it was something totally different to what we thought it was. Um, and at the beginning of this chapter, the prophet, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah describes a great light. And this is kind of like in terms of like connecting it to the story. The, Isaiah describes this great light that changes everything and brings hope. 
total like difference, utter change. History is forever different. Um, at the beginning of, the, of Isaiah 9, it talks about that this despair would not go on forever, but that things were going to get better and they were going to change. But then he gets to explaining what this great light would look like. And he says this, For unto us a child is born. For unto us a child is born. Wait, what? Isaiah, you said a great light, not a little light. Also, you said a light, not a child. Why are you describing a child to us? And just like when I was growing up and my siblings and parents would have fun wrapping their presents up and making it look different to what I thought I was actually getting, it's really interesting when we look at this prophecy that Isaiah says that a great light would shine on those in death's shadow, <laughs> literally death's shadow, but by the way, it will be a child. And it will be totally different to anything that you thought it would be or they would be. I mean, surely a triumphant king would be better suited to like, making all things right, yes? A triumphant king over a kid would be better at like, like lighting up the darkness. Would you guys agree? Yeah? Or what about a general and his army, you know, like riding on in and sorting it all out and like kicking out the bad guys and all of that kind of thing? Or what about even like a political movement of some description? Surely that's going to do better than a little child. <laughs> but that's not what's described. The great light isn't a triumphant king or a general and his army or a political movement. It's a child. One that would come and change history forever. Looking totally different to who we thought it would be. <laughs> what we thought it would look like. I mean, Jesus literally, when he came, he was mistaken because he was like so lowly. <laughs> he showed up kind of like under the radar. And people are like, no, nah, we're, we're looking for a Messiah King, somebody who will like free us from the Romans kind of thing. But how beautiful is it that the Christmas story begins with hope because it is going to look different to how we thought it would and that it's not about power but about meekness. It's not about triumphant kings and armies and political movements, because it's actually everything that Jesus came to deal with, funnily enough. And he presents a different way, way a way of peace and love and joy and kindness in a world that is so divided. We don't need another general. We don't need another king. We don't need another political movement to sort things out. This world is already hurting enough. And when we try to fix it, apart from Jesus, it never goes right. How beautiful is the Christmas story? It is one of hope, and it looks different to what you and what I would think it would, should look like, right? Yeah, so good. So anyway, a child, so a child would be born some 700 years later in a backwater town most likely in a cave that was used as a stable, and he is eventually laid in a manger. The circumstance screams unimportant. Not worth mentioning. Won't get many likes. In today's day and age, that's not going to trend on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube, would it? 
It's an under-the-radar movement. It is subversive. It works against everything that we think is powerful and shows us what true power really is. And this is the story of Christmas. But it was on that night that history was forever changed as the light of hope was born into a world of darkness where death's shadow had long been cast the night that Jesus was born. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. Just going to throw it up on the screen. Once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. How good is that? Do we understand that? That that somehow in a baby's like body, in a manger, in a backwater town in Bethlehem, was the one who created everything. Bigger than the universe itself. Glory wrapped up in human flesh. King Jesus come as a baby. How different is the way of Jesus? The way of the kingdom of God. It's often small and little and quiet, subversive, but it is truly powerful. And so one of the key things I want to draw out this morning is this. God often reveals himself and wants to meet with us in the unexpected and the little and the ordinary. Let's just chuck that one up. God often reveals himself and wants to meet with us in the unexpected, the little and the ordinary. Kind of sounds a little boring, eh? A little bit like dis- disconnected. Like, wait, God, why, why would you show up in that? Why would you want to show yourself in that kind of way? And I think it's because of a few things. And I would say this, that as humans, we are drawn to the big and the bright. We are enamored by the powerful. We are captivated by the strong. But Jesus reveals himself in the small and the lowly. We often ask God, where are you? Wanting some like grand gesture, some crazy movement. And God is simply responding, I am right here. I am right here. The, uh, the, the issue isn't God's absence. The issue is not God's absence, but our inability to recognize his presence in the ordinary and the mundane, the slow and the inefficient, the seemingly unimportant and uninteresting. But if we continue with this mistaken thinking, we will soon end up thinking that God has very little to do with our lives and this world. I say that again. If we continue with this mistaken thinking, we will soon end up thinking that God has very little to do with our lives and this world. If we are looking for God only in the big and we are missing him in the mundane and the ordinary and the day-to-day and the slow and the small, the simple, the inefficient, the uninteresting, we will very quickly get to the point where we think that God is not involved in this world because look at it. It's kind of like it's spinning out of control. And I think this, this thinking needs to be corrected in us. I know it is something that has had to be corrected in me. How can I experience God in the ordinary, in my job, in my friendships, in my marriage, in a cup of coffee, in a piece of music, a bit of art, in a run around the lake? 
How can I experience God in the ordinary? Because he is more present than I can possibly fathom. Because he is God with us. It is the reality of Christmas. It is the hope that we profess. It is the glory of God surrounding us in the ordinary. Do we get it, family? We need to correct our thinking and realize that just like Lewis said, that in that stable and in that manger was something bigger than everything. How good is that? And then we are drawn into the reality that God is near and that we are participating in his kingdom and his coming. So good. So good. Isaiah goes on to describe who this child would be at the end of verse 6. And we read this. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And this morning, I want to draw on the first two as Craig we're going to be, is going to be covering the next two, which is just a little teaser for you guys to come back next week. So really quickly, we're just going to cover this. And so in this series, we want to consider who Jesus is and how we can prepare him room. Is that cool? In this series, we want to consider who he is and how we can prepare him room. By the way, if he wants to meet us in the small and the ordinary, it's not necessarily about carving out big chunks of space or a whole lot of room, we can start with the small. Is there hope in that message this morning for you? Are you in all the craziness and busyness of this world and this life right now going, Dave, you just don't understand. There is so much on. And it's like, yeah, you're right. How does God want to meet you in it? In the ordinary, in the busyness, are you ready to experience him in those things? And we are, we are wanting to allow him to do what he wants to do in us as we make space in him. And so the first one is wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. Jesus is our wonderful counselor, the one who longs to counsel us, to be allowed to speak into our lives and to draw us into his own life. Now, there is an important distinction, a note to distinct here. Sorry, distinction to note. Wow, that was weird. That we would allow him to speak into our lives that we would allow him to speak into our lives. For he will never force himself upon us. Jesus, when he first showed up into this world, concealing his glory, came in under the radar, and he did not force himself. He came in small as a child, showing what true power was that those who would open themselves to him would experience life change like they had never before. Will we sit with him, enjoy his company, and listen to him? Will we enjoy him this Christmas season? Will we learn from him and seek to obey him? How are we making room in our lives, our days, and our calendars to wait upon him? Say that again. How are we making room in our lives and our days and our calendars to wait upon him? Scripture is full, absolutely full, with this idea of waiting on God. The thing is, with waiting, it takes away the control. We have no ability, and we shouldn't want to have the ability to force God. God does not force himself upon us, 
we shouldn't want to force God into doing certain things. But as a human, I love to control things. I'm a recovering control addict. I am. And, and even in, in the smallest sense, I like to do things like really, really well, but I realize that often that is not rooted in a healthy thing. I want to control things. I want to manage them. I can't control Jesus, though. And I shouldn't want to manage him. Because if any of you, I'm guessing many of you, have been in a relationship that is controlled and managed, it is not healthy. It is not good. And you do not get to experience the fullness of that other person, do you? I don't know who I'm speaking to in that moment. How are we making room in our lives, our days, our calendars to wait upon him? He is our wonderful counselor, and he longs to counsel us, to teach us, to guide us. He is our good teacher. He is our rabbi. We want to come and sit at his feet, learn from him, learn his ways, walk in his ways, practice his ways, so that we can become the people that we are meant to be. But are we willing to listen to the wonderful counselor? To wait to listen. The second thing that I want to draw out or the second, the second title I want to focus on is Mighty God. Jesus is not just a good and wise teacher. I'll say that. He's not just a good and wise teacher. He's more than a good and wise teacher. Yes, he is. He is our rabbi. He is the one that we sit under. He is like we come to him and we sit at his feet and we learn from him. But he's not just another good human being. <laughs> he's not just another like wise guru. He is mighty God. He is <laughs> mighty God. And that all of a sudden brings even more significance to his counsel. Because if he is mighty God, then and he's not just like somebody with wise sayings, then He's divine, and in my opinion, I'm thinking he's actually probably worth like, listening to even more as a result. Now, the thing is, is do I genuinely believe the words of Jesus to be the truth? And I think for, in my own life, I have experienced a major disconnect where Jesus has been my Savior, but he has not been my Lord. And I think that that is a mistake that we can make as Christians. Do we believe his words? When he teaches about money, do we listen to them? When he teaches about marriage, do we listen to him? When he teaches about um, like, what the good life will look like and who those that are truly blessed are, do we listen to him? Are we vying for power and control and money and affluence when he is saying, blessed are those who are poor in spirit? Blessed are those who are weak and meek. Blessed are those who hunger for righteousness. Blessed are those. He's, he describes a totally different blessed and good life than what we would expect. But those are his words. And do we believe them or do we think they are just niceties? Because either he is just a good teacher with some nice things to say or he is a wonderful counselor and mighty God. Mighty God, do we believe these things about Jesus? He is fully God, the second person of the Trinity, 
when we want to know what God is like, we look to Jesus, who is the exact representation of him. He is eternal, the one who created all things and the one who holds all things together. And here he is, and here he is making himself available to us. God with us. Are we making room for him? Notice that. He is God with us, but are we making room for him? He does not force himself upon us because he is good, he is true, he is beautiful, and he is drawing us into a relationship, not a managed, controlled dictatorship. Frederick Beekner, um, an American novelist, theologian, scholar, a guy who said a lot of like really wise things. Um, I want to quote him this morning and kind of like land here with this. He says this, and I think it's coming up on the screen. It is impossible to conceive how different things would have turned out if that birth had not happened whenever, wherever, however it did. For millions of people who have lived since, the birth of Jesus made possible not just a new way of understanding life, but a new way of living it. It is a truth that for 20 centuries, there have been untold numbers of men and women who in untold numbers of ways have been so grasped by the child who was born, so caught up in the message he taught and the life that he lived, that they have found themselves profoundly changed by their relationship with him. Powerful words. The birth of Jesus made possible not just a, way, a new way of understanding life, but a new way of living it. There is hope, family. But to experience this change and the transformation, we need to make space. We need to make room. We need to prepare room. And be with Jesus, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. We don't accidentally become who we were meant to be. We don't just like one day fall into, oh, I'm a nicer person. Anybody done that lately? Seriously, anybody? It's just not a thing. We don't accidentally become the people who we are meant to be. It takes intentionality, and it takes time, and it takes space. But also, it requires hope. And that is where we started this morning. There is hope, family, to experience genuine, deep, lasting life change because the person of Jesus has come to be with us, made himself available to us that we may connect to him, draw from him, live deep with him, go far with him. He is the child born for us, <laughs> unto us. And his way is very different to the world's. It is not one of like abusing power and usurping it and like kicking people out, but it's about drawing people in. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger for righteousness. Blessed are the meek. It is a very different life that Jesus describes as blessed than what I have so often chased after. But there is hope. 
because Jesus makes all of that possible. It is not about me becoming a better, like trying to be a better person. It's not about me trying to be Jesus. It's about me being with Jesus that I might experience his life and his goodness and that my cup would overflow out of his generosity. Will we prepare him room this morning, family? Will we prepare him room this Christmas season? Will we carve out small amounts, big amounts, whatever the size amount, time to be with him? I thought things were burning down. Right. So I just want to ask two questions really quickly to land. And it's for us to genuinely wrestle with. And they are this. How are we adjusting our lives to create margin in December and the Christmas season that we might experience his life or Jesus' life? How are we doing this? How are we creating margin that we can experience him? Remember, that doesn't happen accidentally, just like we don't accidentally become who we're meant to be. It's not something we fall into. I choose to spend time with my wife. I make time to spend with my wife. I've been renovating over the last couple of weeks, and I've been not spending a whole lot of time with my wife because I chose to do something else, right? Whenever we say yes to something, we say no to something else. We don't accidentally spend time with Jesus. It's through starting with sitting in his presence that all of a sudden the ordinary, the mundane, and the day-to-day becomes sacred, becomes holy, because we realize that Jesus is in that place. Second one is, how are you made to connect to God, to enjoy him and worship him? I think that's really important this Christmas season. Are we going to do that? Are we going to enjoy God? And are we going to worship him? Big question, do you enjoy God? Do you enjoy him? And when is the last time you have enjoyed him? Like no strings attached, no agenda, no outcomes, just being, delighting, enjoying, drinking up, receiving. It's got nothing to do with what you've brought, but everything to do with who he is. When is the last time you have done that? I ask that out of like, out of like what Jesus has been asking me this week. Is that cool? So I'm not saying that out of a condemnation or a judgy way. I can't condemn you guys anyway because Jesus says nobody can, so that's all good. But yeah, that's it this morning. Family, will we prepare him Rome? Will we make space to enjoy God, to delight in him, to be with him, to realize that he wants to meet with us in the small and the ordinary, in the busyness of the calendar, but at the same time, are we going to create margin in our calendar so that we can receive from him? Want it to be practical, simple, but how has God designed you to connect with him this Christmas season? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, that you right now are more present than we are aware of. That that is the reality, that you are here, you are with us, uh, you are as present as we are, and at the same time, like more so, <laughs> because you're not distracted and we are. We're thinking about lunch <laughs> right now, um, or we're thinking about 
Christmas wish lists and, and other life things. But Lord, you want to meet us in all of those things. You want to meet us in the lunch that is ahead of us and the, the, the bits and pieces that lie ahead of us today. And we thank you that you are God with us in all of it, in the ordinary and the slow and the mundane and the inefficient, that you are interested in all of those, those things and that there is hope in this world that is like crazy and wild right now because you are in this world right now and you have overcome the darkness. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We worship you. We adore you and we choose to now lift up your name and worship. Thank you, King Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're just going to uh, spend some